Welcome to Weekend Ag Matters from the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Join us for an in-depth look at Iowa agriculture. Here's your host, Dustin Hoffman. Well, good day, everybody, and welcome to Ag Matters PM on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. I'm Dustin Hoffman. Boy, we've got a busy show for you coming up today. Riley Smith will be talking with retiring State Fair CEO Gary Slater. Mark had the chance to go to Exile Brewing over last weekend to talk about their salute to farmers. And we'll also take a look at some food for thought from Russ. In fact, that's coming up here just momentarily. It's been a busy week for news. You can find all our content at iowaagnet.com. But for now, let's kick things over to Russ Parker. The duck hunting season is now open across the entire state of Iowa. And as I mentioned a few weeks ago, it was at one time one of my favorite things to do. I love the crisp morning air, the sun rising, and seeing decoys floating in the water. And shooting at ducks was just a bonus. In my younger years, I hunted on the west end of the Coralville Reservoir with a man 30 years my senior, whose name was Dale. One of the best duck callers I've ever known. He was a shallow water duck hunter, normally walking into the potholes and shorelines where the bottom was hard and the water was not much above his knees. He never wore waders, only his hip boots. I can recall one morning we were at the Red Barn Marsh hunting in an area that had been dammed up by the beavers. It was a beautiful, warm, early season morning and we were walking across the marsh to set up a blind in a place where the sun and the wind would be at our backs. Then I heard a splash and a cry for help and behind me Dale had stepped into a beaver run, slipped and his hip boots were taking on water. And it was there and then that I realized why he would only wade in shallow water. He couldn't swim. An ex-Navy man, nonetheless, who served on board in the Pacific Fleet during World War II. I helped him out of the marsh, got him into his truck, and the hunt was over. On another adventure, we were hunting out of my small 14-foot John boat, and I had on waders and Dale had on his life preserver. And we were headed for shallow water, but needed to cross an open area to get there. Dale was operating the boat, and I was on the flat bow, guiding Dale between the tree stumps. And thunk, we hit one, and I lost my balance and fell out of the boat. The water was deep, but fortunately the air in my waders buoyed me up to the surface. Dale later told me he knew exactly where I was, for he could see the top of my hat. This time, he hauled me out of the water, got me back to the truck, and the hunt was over. Dale was an awesome man. He's gone now, but good memories of our friendship and times of being there for each other still make me smile. It's good to know, too, sometimes when we fall into life's deep water, that we have a friend available to us to pull us out. Isaiah 43.2 says, When we pass through the water, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be consumed. Food for thought, I hope. This is Russ Parker. Have a blessed day. Thanks, Russ. And that's the end of segment one. We'll kick things over to Mark Magnuson coming up right after this break. Every detail matters when building a winning game plan. That's why the Cyclones and Hawkeyes rely on better, cleaner now biodiesel to power their team buses on game days, delivering success on the field, in the field, and in the environment. Make biodiesel part of your game plan by visiting IASoybeans.com. 
biodiesel. Request it, grow it, use it. This message brought to you by the Iowa Soybean Association and the Soybean Checkoff. Welcome back to Weekend Ag Matters. Here is Mark Magnuson. Hello and welcome to segment number two on Weekend Ag Matters. Last Saturday, October 15th, Exile Brewing Company in downtown Des Moines held a release party for its Born Here, Brewed Here, Volume 1, Rye IPA beer, which was made in tandem with the Iowa Agriculture Water Alliance in hopes of bringing attention to water quality and soil health. I had a chance to visit with Mike Bretz, who grew the rye for the beer on his northeast Iowa farm. Mark Magnuson here with the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, and we are at Exile Brewing in downtown Des Moines, and I'm joined by Mike Bretz. Mike, we're here for a special beer that is being put out by Exile. It's called Born Here, Brewed Here. And Mike, what was your part of the process going into this beer? Yeah, so we grew uh, rye, and the rye is the main component of this new beer. It is a uh, rye IPA. And Mike, how, first of all, did this idea come about? Did someone just reach out to you and say, hey, we're looking to make an Iowa beer with Iowa ingredients? Okay. Yeah, we were actually growing the rye as part of, uh, we've adopted on our farms what we call regenerative agriculture. And with that, we're doing a small grain rotation. So we do a corn, soybean, small grain. Uh, and that small grain could be wheat, rye, or oats. And then in between those, we do a multi-species cover crop, so we always have something on the ground. Uh, This particular rye was the first time I ever grew it. Uh, We purchased the uh, farm that our grandparents bought in like 1920. I can tell you, no one has ever grown rye here before. But uh, we got the rye growing, um, and it did fantastic. It's planted in October. There is zero weeds, just no weed pressure at all. Um, We uh, harvested it in late July. And then that particular rye um, was um, malted by Eric Miller on Miller Malting in Cascade, Iowa. Um, and then conversations started going with various breweries, and that's how we got kind of connected with Exile. And uh, they tell me it's, it's different than the normal rye. That's very interesting. And first of all, where is your operation located? Okay. We are a little town called Coggin, Iowa, north of Cedar Rapids, and on the uh, southern uh, end of Buchanan County. So you mentioned, you know, you're rotating those crops. We know soybeans, corn grow very well in our soil here in Iowa, but it sounds like rye also does pretty well. Rye does really well. The wheat did well, um, as well as oats, too. Each one of those has its own um, uh, special characteristics, if you will. So on the wheat front, um, fantastic plant in the fall, cover the soil through the wintertime. Uh, harvested early July, allows us to get another uh, cover crop planted after that that we can then graze the cattle on. Difficulty with wheat is there's not really a good uh, a place to sell it that's local and can get expensive to haul it to the Missouri River or something like that. Uh, rye is very similar to that. You plant it in October. Um, good uh, aleopathic wheat suppression. Uh, harvested in late July. And then uh, there's not a, it's not a commodity that's out there. So you're either looking at selling it as uh, possibly seed um, for others to use as cover crop, or in this case, we sold it to be malted for the breweries, or you could sell it as grain. I have not done that yet. And then third one would be oats. Um, and of oats, we're the most used to it. There's the best market for it, but it's also the lowest price when you go to sell it. 
Um, so last year, rye was our most uh, profitable crop out of all of them because it's a very low input cost. There's very little that you need to do while it's growing. So you kind of have planting and harvesting and then spend some time on your marketing. Regenerative agriculture was a big focus of the creative process for this new beer. Here's Sean McMahon, executive director of the Iowa Agriculture Water Alliance. Mark Magnuson with the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, and we are joined here by Sean at Exile Brewing. We're in downtown Des Moines, and they have a special beer they're putting together. It's called Born Here, Brewed Here. And Sean, how are you involved in this project? First of all, let's start off. Where are you working from? Who are you with? And what is your job title? Yeah, so I'm the executive director of the Iowa Agriculture Water Alliance, and we work out of Ankeny, office out of the Iowa Soybean Association. I was just there the other day. I didn't see you, Sean. (laughs) Yeah, Iowa soybean, Iowa corn, and Iowa pork are our founding members, Mark. Okay, and so the IAWA, what is your main mission? Yeah, we help farmers improve water quality, and we helped implement the Iowa Nutrient Reduction Strategy. And now we have a really fun and cool way to improve water quality, and that's by drinking this amazing, delicious beer. And that's totally true. You know, we've been talking today about everything going into this beer is from Iowa. And that's just kind of a neat thing. Could you tell us how you got involved in this process of even making this beer? Yeah, so it's a whole series of beer called the Born Here, Brewed Here series. So as you mentioned, all the ingredients are from Iowa. So in this particular beer, which is Volume 1 Rye IPA, we have rye, barley, and hops sourced from Iowa farmers. So we got involved when we, when we learned that uh, there was an effort to make the first of its kind series of beers and they needed some help lining up farmers. And so we very eagerly signed on and you know, we think this is just a fantastic way to improve water quality because all of those small grains like barley and rye and wheat, they put living roots in the soil when we need it most, when we're most vulnerable to soil erosion and nutrient loss, and that's um, after planting, before the corn and soybeans are established, and after harvest. And so just by creating a market for small grains or cover crops, that helps to improve water quality. But Exile Brewing is very generously donating $5 per case to IAWA, and we'll be using that to improve water quality right here in the North Raccoon and Des Moines River water uh, watersheds, where. Uh, the water comes from uh, for uh, for this beer. And we heard from some of the people here at Exile that the water quality, of course, here in Des Moines, in Iowa, is great for a beer like this. And that just kind of goes to show you that, yes, these things, these steps are important because we can continue to have fun things like great tasting beer. That's right. Yeah. Beer is mostly water, 90 to 95 percent water. And we have a number of different projects that are improving water quality in the North Raccoon and the Des Moines River watershed. Uh, One of them is a public-private partnership called the Midwest Agriculture Water Quality Partnership. We co-lead that with IDALS. And we've already improved conservation on four million acres, including three million acres of improved fertilizer management, over 700,000 acres of cover crops, over 200,000 acres of no-till and strip-till, and over 50 wetlands, saturated buffers, and bioreactors, much of which is being done in the Des Moines and North Raccoon watersheds. With the focus on sustainable farming and improving water quality, Exile Brewing founder and owner R.J. Tercy was eager to get involved in the project. 
Mark Magnuson for the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, and I'm joined by R.J. Tercy. He is the owner and founder of Exile Brewing here in Des Moines, and we are in downtown Des Moines at Exile today for a special occasion. R.J., could you turn the can that way? Let's show it off a little bit. It's the Born Here, Brewed Here series of beers. And RJ, let's start with first things first. How did this process come about for yeah, this beer? Sure. So in our in one of our annual meetings last year, uh, we had a discussion about what's the next initiative that we want to add to our, our Exile Builds program, which is our philanthropic arm here at Exile. And we decided on, hey, we want to grow awareness for regenerative agriculture. Uh, you know... We're here in Iowa, we're in Des Moines. Obviously, agriculture is a huge, it's everything to Iowa, right? And so, um, what better thing to do than than to try and promote uh, regenerative agricultural practices? And RJ, everything that went into this beer is from Iowa, correct? It is, yeah. So the the water, of course, we always use Iowa water. Uh, But the hops were grown by uh, Bob's Hops. Uh, just you know, over over in Altoona, um, the the malt was grown here in Iowa and then malted by Miller Malting, um, and yeah, you know, yeast is a little bit of a different product, but but all the all the typical agricultural products were grown here in Iowa. And the rye came from Mike Brett's in Northeast Iowa yes. as well. Uh, is it typical to ha- is rye in every beer? No, rye is not in every beer. Uh, it's definitely a, a unique beer if it has rye in it. Uh, typically, people are using barley uh, as opposed to rye, uh, just because of certain characteristics in barley that make it conducive for brewing. But uh, the rye that that we got from Mike uh, is turned out really well in the beer. Uh, it has a nice, actual, actually a fruity flavor um, as opposed to a spicy flavor, which which you usually get from rye. Um, but we we love the way that it turned out. So with this beer specifically that we're talking about today, was it the first one that the first batch, was it the one or did you have to tweak it a little bit, try things it differently? Was the first batch. Yeah, it was the first batch. So Joey, our, our head brewer here at Exile, uh, he has a lot of experience. You know, he's been our head brewer for, I think, seven years at this point and has worked here for longer than then. Um, so he does a great job. He was, he was a little bit nervous about using some of these new ingredients that that uh, we didn't have a lot of experience with, but like I said, he does a great job, was able to put it together, and, and this is this is it. And a special beer like this, about how many cans are going to be sold, and are they going to be sold just here in Des Moines, here in Iowa? What's the range going to be? Sure, um, it's uh, I think it's several hundred cases, maybe five or 600 cases, so not a huge batch, but it's a good start for us. You know, this is our, our first, you know, it's, it's Born Here, Brewed Here, Volume One, right? So. We're hoping to build the partnership, build the program. Um, we'll be selling them here at Exile. We'll be selling them uh, in central Iowa for sure. And then I know that that uh, when I saw them coming off the line, there were some pallets that were marked for eastern Iowa as well. So it'll be all across Iowa. Do you think that potential buyers of this beer, just hearing that everything that goes into it are ingredients from Iowa is going to pique their interest and make them think, hey, I, I, I do think I want to try that beer. I hope so. I mean, it's that. It's the it's the all Iowa ingredients. Uh, and then it is the, you know, the fact that the ingredients that we use, particularly the, the rye and the malt, uh, is grown on a regenerative farm, you know, using some of those regenerative practices. So 
getting back to the original goal of the program, it was it was to build that awareness. And so we're hoping that that there are people in Iowa that that are concerned with water quality, concerned with soil quality. Um, everyone should be for sure. Um, and you know we're hoping that that they'll buy a product that works to build water quality and build soil quality. That's it for segment number two on Weekend Ag Matters. Up next, Riley Smith will visit with retiring Iowa State Fair CEO, Gary Slater. October is Pork Month, and in Iowa, we have no shortage of pork producers to celebrate. In all, there are 147,105 Iowa jobs created by the pork industry through direct, indirect, and induced jobs, and those jobs in turn create $8.64 billion in labor income. Make sure you support one of Iowa's most important industries by enjoying some farm-raised Iowa pork this month. This message is brought to you by your friends at the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Welcome back to Weekend Ag Matters. Here's Riley Smith. We are here at the Iowa State Fairgrounds with Iowa State Fair CEO Gary Slater, who just recently announced his retirement uh, this year. And uh, of course, you know you've been uh, State Fair CEO for was it 21 years? Is that what it was? So, been around the block for the State Fair a few times, and uh, you know that chapter is coming to an end. So, first off, maybe let's talk a little bit on your journey to, you know, how you got to be the State Fair CEO. You know, it started probably a long time ago, uh, back uh, right out of college. Uh, I had a, I was a fieldman for the Black Pole and China breed uh, of hogs, and uh, I, I enjoyed doing that a lot. But uh, the uh, uh, through some of my contacts, uh, I heard that there was a position open at the Missouri State Fair at the uh, uh, entry department uh, kind of called the livestock supervisor and and uh, coming from a farming background and showing hogs at the Missouri State Fair uh, in in FFA and and then in, in the open class that really intrigued me and so um, I applied for that and got that position so I did that for five years working for the Department of Ag for the Missouri State State of Missouri uh, at the Missouri State Fair uh, and, um, you know, contacts and relationships are everything. And the, the manager of the Missouri State Fair at that time was Marion Lucas. Marion Lucas, uh, right after I had been there five years, uh, be, uh, applied and became the manager of the Iowa State Fair. And I went back to college, got a master's degree in food science and nutrition, uh, but when I got out of that, there was a position open at the Iowa State Fair in sponsorship solicitation. And uh, Mr. Lucas uh, made me aware of that and I was fortunate enough to get that job. Well, you know, when you work at the Missouri State Fair, then you work at the Iowa State Fair. And I did that for five more years. Uh, it just really kind of gets in your blood. And I, I enjoyed uh, the event type of, of, uh, of work that related uh, Planning all year long for an 11-day event uh, seemed to be something that uh, some people think would be terrible. I always enjoyed it, uh, and I always enjoyed uh, 
having the gates open on that opening day and and uh, all of the things that go into that. Uh, so fast forward a little bit. Uh, I went to I, I left the Iowa State Fair, went to the uh, National Pork Producers Council in charge of World Pork Expo. Uh, but then I went back to the Missouri State Fair when they were looking for a director or a manager, as we call it, at Iowa. Uh, and I got that position just a short four years later. Mr. Marion Lucas, uh, who I'd worked for twice before, retired. And of course, I was in the hunt for the Iowa State Fair job because I just truly believed that the Iowa State Fair was the ultimate uh, for me. And I was fortunate enough 21 years ago to get that job, been here ever since. And of course, Gary, I know with two decades in your position, there's a ton of memories that you've made and uh, amazing things you've seen. So I'm not gonna ask you to pick just one, but what are some of your favorite things that you've seen throughout the fair and got to experience? You know, being able to, to uh, have new facilities uh, is, is one thing that, that I'm really proud of. And uh, the, adding the Animal Learning Center, having the birthing, center uh, in the Animal Learning Center uh, for people to uh, participate in the births of live animals uh, on a daily basis during the fair. Been something that I think is tremendous. Little Hands on the Farm is right next to it. And, and there again, that is explaining agriculture to kids two to 10 in, in a way that they can do it. But at the same time, it's their, really their, their mom, dad, their grandma and grandpa, whoever's taking them through there, they're actually the teachers so you're actually teaching both at the same time and, and that. And some of the more fun experiences uh, have been working with the politicians that have come to the Iowa State Fair. Uh, sitting presidents, uh, my second year here in 2002, George W. Bush came and, and addressed uh, a crowd here on the fairgrounds. Uh, and then a few years later, uh, President Barack Obama uh, came and, and, and just a funny story with Barack, uh, with President Obama was that uh, former governor uh, uh, Tom Vilsack came with him because he was appointed by governor, uh, or I mean by President Obama as the Secretary of Agriculture. They came on this big bus and they parked right outside of the main, uh, the main gate on the north side, gate 15. And they came out of the bus and they were gonna pay their way into the fair and, and the board president, Gary McConnell, and I were sitting on the, or standing on the other side of the gate. Well, as pr the president reached for his billfold, he realized he didn't have a billfold that day. Uh, but, but Secretary Vilsack said, that's okay, Mr. President, let me buy today. And so he reached in his pocket and pulled out the money and bought the tickets, and they came through the gate. And I've always thought that was a funny story. Uh, uh, because the president had no money that day but wanted to pay to get into the fair. So uh, uh, I think that was a, a good one. But, you know, over the years we've had delegations from Germany to Japan to South Korea, China. Uh, those are great memories. Uh, um, but just the events that we've had, enlarging the grandstand, enable us to have uh, uh, entertainers such as uh, Blake Shelton and Chris Stapleton, Slipknot, uh, bringing back the tractor pull after uh, uh, we created the outdoor entertainment area or the Elwell Family Park. Uh, I think that was a, a real thrill for us two years ago when the tractor pull came back. So those are just some of the things that, that I think are, are exciting and fun. Uh, but uh, just watching the people come through the gate, 
watching the kids go down the big slide or uh, uh, eating a corn dog or an ice cream cone, uh, smiling at their mom and dad because they're having a great day at the fair. Uh, has always been my, uh, my thought is that whoever's coming to the fair, I wanna make sure that if there's something that I can do to make their day the best day ever, that's what I wanna do. Uh, is there anything else before we kind of wrap up here that you'd like to leave our, our listeners and our viewers with uh, just about the State Fair, your time with it? Well, I always said that uh, the success of the Iowa State Fair wasn't at the voting ballot like it is in, for politicians, but it's with people uh, vote with their feet as they come through the front gate. And uh, we, we've just seen our attendance grow from the 900,000 uh, mid-900,000s mid when I got here to uh, consistently over 1.1 million uh, as I leave. Uh, and I just thank the public of Iowa for supporting this fair. It means a lot to so many people in so many different ways. It, it reaches aspects uh, of, of people in, in hundreds of different ways. And there's a, a niche of people maybe that love this part of the fair and there's a, a wealth of people that love another part of the fair, but it all goes together and uh, it would not be successful if it wasn't a, a treasure treasured by Iowans. Well, Gary, it's been a pleasure interviewing, uh, interviewing you these past couple fairs and just getting your insight on all of this and uh, just looking forward to uh, you, know, you enjoying your retirement and you know, have a good time at next year's fair too. I will. Thank you very much. And that again was Iowa State Fair CEO Gary Slater, and we wish him the best as he enters retirement. That's it for today's episode of Weekend Ag Matters. Thanks again for tuning in. You can listen to this episode and more by going to the podcast tab on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network website at iowaagnet.com. Feel free to sign up for our newsletter as well to get all of our content conveniently delivered to you every day. For Russ Parker, Dustin Huffman, and Mark Magnuson, I'm Riley Smith. Wishing you a great rest of your weekend. Join us again next week for more Weekend Ag Matters.